Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's fear of CBD. That's why I can't answer all your questions, because a lot of the things we just don't have the answers. But what we do have is tens of thousands of people telling us what it does for them. When you have a lot of people who are spending their own money in increasing numbers to take and buy these products, that's meaningful. People could say, well, that's crowdsourced. You know, who knows what that is? And it's like, no, but that's real world. So I think that we're learning a lot from real world evidence and what people are telling us. People know their own bodies pretty well. Welcome to the new season of the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the author and founder of the award-winning app and best-selling book, Happy Not Perfect. This is our time to take a break and go within to unlock ourselves in a new way and stretch our thinking. Whatever you are going through right now, I welcome you into this conversation with a new inspiring thought leader each week to help us thrive, rise, and realize our full truth and unlimited potential. As you might know, if you read my book, I'm passionate about us becoming flexible in our thinking, and that starts with some mind, body, and soul healing. So let's dive in. Today's episode is with the very special guest, Dr. Rosemary Maisonet, who is one of the world's leading medical advisors and researchers. Dr. Rosemary is a charter trustee at the University of Pennsylvania Health System and is the co-chair of the Leonard Davis Institute Executive Advisory Board at Wharton. In today's episode, we are going to really dig deep behind the truth and the history behind CBD. CBD burst onto the wellness scene in about 2018 in a massive way, and it brought a lot of confusion with it. Does CBD work? What should it be used for or shouldn't it be used for? Dr. Rosemary is the Chief Science Officer at Columbia Care and one of the most exciting global experts on the subject. It is a huge honor to welcome Dr. Rosemary on the podcast to really look into the whys, the what's and the research behind CBD as we know it. What's a favorite quote you return to often and why? Well, you know, I'm, you're going to laugh, but I'm going to quote two um, Englishmen, okay, Keith Richards <laughs> and Mick Jagger. My favorite thing is you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, well, you just might find you get what you need. You know, I've always thought that, you know, the genius behind those words, because I say, I think I say that to myself at least once a week. Well, you can't always get what you want, but this is just fine. We always shoot high. That's human nature. And, you know, sometimes we just maybe can't get to exactly where we wanted to be all the time. Sometimes we can, but all the time. So I think the important thing there is always, it's not don't aim for the stars, it's but you can't always get what you want. Well, we're now all going to be echoing the same few words. So thank you so much for starting this podcast off on such a powerful note. Uh, What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently and why? How we need to be humble. 
and I think the pandemic, um, you know, not to harp on that a lot, you know, it's sort of behind us now, but it's changed me a lot mm. and it's changed how I think about other people and my relationship to them. You know, it was sort of a leveling ground, right? You got to see people for who they were, not for where they lived or what they did or how much money they had in their bank account. But, you know, at some level, we were all people and we were all suffering. We were all despondent. We were all depressed. We were all alone. I was very humbled by that. And I hope I keep that with me. I hope that a lot of people keep that, that with them, right? As we recover and we go back to our lives, that we still all remember the common humanity that we had, that we saw so blatantly displayed over the last year? A strange question, but one that I'm, I've been really enjoying asking people recently. What does soul mean to you? Soul just, it's just, I can't even describe it. It's like being happy. It's the essence of happiness. Mm. It's just the essence of I don't think of it as the essence of being. I think of it as the essence of happiness. And that's maybe because I'm a little optimistic and I want it to be happy. But, you know, little little nuggets of things. It's like when you when you have a really hearty belly laugh or something like that, you realize, oh, my gosh, that was really amazing that I just felt that happy or that that joyful or whatever. That's sort of soul to me. And, you know, when you're in love, you feel that that touches your soul. So it's sort of these feelings that are deeper than just um, when you feel it, you know it. And that's sort of what soul means to me. It's not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm spiritual, but I do feel like it's, it's just sort of a, it's a positive energy, more than just an energy, right? It's a feel good thing. Love that. Thank you for that answer. So as I said, you are one of the world's most exciting experts on CBD. And I think I just wanted to start this interview off so like right at the bottom, really, which is what even is CBD? Because we hear these kind of letters and actually it's amazing how kind of little information actually is known past these three letters. Well, um, you know, there's a cannabis plant. And the cannabis plant comes in a couple of varieties. And one of them is a variety that is more hemp-like, right? Than one that's more THC heavy. And, but they all have the same ingredients, okay? They all have like hundreds of things in them. They're very complicated and wonderful plants. A lot of plants are like that, right? I mean, you think of tomatoes, they have wonderful things in them too. Blueberries, antioxidants. Well, plants have many different cannabinoids in them. And some are, are more THC prone, and that's sort of the cannabis that we think of, okay, and the marijuana, but some have, are more hemp-like, and they've been around for centuries. I have to tell you that Elizabeth I actually demanded that all um, people who owned land grow hemp. <laughs> really? Yeah, little known fact. So, so hemp has been around. Now, a lot of times back then, it was obviously used as a material for cloth. Yeah. And it was also used as a material to strengthen bricks. It was put with mud in with bricks, the hemp stalks, okay? But the plants that resemble sort of cannabis flowers have always been smoked and used in medications in all countries. So this isn't specific to Europe or, or to Asia or to anywhere. It's, they've been used everywhere. I, I take great comfort in the fact that people have been using hemp plants and the cannabinoids that are in them for 5,000 years. And they know that it's helpful for, for things. And I have to tell you that, you know, there are things we've all seen them that are sort of miracle cures or whatever that come and go that, you know, people introduce them. It might be sort of a marketing ploy, you know, 
10 years later, you don't hear of them anymore, right? Well, this has been around for 5,000 years. So usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And we know that, you know, CBD, which is one of those, those major contributors to all of the plant chemicals, um, is in very high supply in hemp, along with some other cannabinoids as well. So it has other compounds around it that all act in a beneficial way. And we know that it has activity, okay, that can be positive for people because, you know, in the world, it's not just in the UK, but there's a company by the name of GW Pharma that uses CBD in very, very, very high doses. So doses you would never take, but in children that have um, serious epilepsy, serious seizure disorders, it's been approved by the MRSA, by the, you know, all of the regulatory authorities for use in those children. So that's at a very high dose, but at a very low dose, one can imagine it also has very beneficial properties. So, you know, we're here to talk about the health properties of CBD. You know, THC has some properties, but, you know, they're a little bit different. And, and that has a different psychic effect, right? Where CBD is really, you know, a very calming and a very healing type of profile in what people report that it does for them. It's absolutely fascinating. What was CBD mostly used for in these kind of ancient medicines? Mostly calming in ceremonies and things in the evenings. You know, it would be smoked. It would be, um, I think they even chewed it. People chewed the stalks, you know, people would chew it. Um, and again, you know, it was, it was part of their lives. It was, it made their house, the stocks made their houses. Right. But, you know, it, it's been around for a very long time. People think that, you know, it's just the, the, the high THC marijuana part of what's been around and that's been around too. So if it's been around for 500 years, at what point, do, and have you tracked this, like at what point did it fall off this kind of public radar for it to have such a resurgence as it has, let's say three years ago, but I guess slightly before that, when it really kind of hit the public consciousness, we're looking at kind of CBD in health stores around 2017. Because of the fact that CBD has this first cousin called THC, right? You know, in all countries in the early 1920s, there were efforts, and it was somewhat political, I think, in some countries, perhaps, to outlaw this, to make it sort of a criminal offense to have any type of cannabinoid, okay? So as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's a plant. It has all these different components in it. It's very hard to strip them all out. So CBD, by virtue of being in the same plant as THC, which sort of went out of favor, um, was sort of painted with the same brush. Now, I want to point out that up until 1920, Tinctures of THC that had CBD in them and tinctures of cannabinoids in general were sold as medicines in all countries. And, um, you know, it's fascinating. I mean, it was, you know, it, there was no prohibition. There was nothing. And then, boom, <laughs> something happened, um, even though people from the American Medical Association actually testified in court in the U.S. in the early 1930s that there's no problem with marijuana. There's no health problem that they could identify. But something happened. And I think that as the real resurgence of interest, first from activists and now just from people to have these cannabinoids be allowed back into our lives has sort of taken off. And the reality is that because it's part of a whole plant, most governments now are saying, well, this is sort of the THC type. And if you're less THC than this level, then you can be called CBD. It's really a blend. Okay. It's a CBD blend but it, you're able to sell it. So luckily for CBD, we were able to get a dividing line that governments could agree on because the government is who's all, all over this 
with regard to the drug enforcement and narcotics enforcement, right? So we're able to have the benefits, the health and everything that come from things in the plant in a low THC formula. CBD is a part of marijuana. It's a part of cannabis. It's part of the plant. It's just a different spectrum of activity. And, you know, we're very fortunate that the governments did allow us to make that dividing line. So CBD could become available to people. Can you speak to, because I kind of understand this so vaguely, we have cannabinoids in our bodies, like so the human body has natural cannabinoids in it. What does that mean? And how do we even know we have cannabinoids in us? And what do they even do within us? You know, we have hormone receptors. Okay. So, you know, and you have a hormone and it binds to a receptor and it makes something in those cells do or don't do something. It turns a switch either on or off, right? So the, the things are regulated. And we know, um, you know, about the endorphin and the enkephalin system, okay? You know, those are the things that are affected by narcotics by and large. The enkephalin system, we also know athletes can have that kick in, okay? That can be an on an auto-regulatory thing where athletes that run a lot will feel better because their own system gets activated. Well, the, the, there's an endocannabinoid system. It's a whole system of receptors. And they go from your brain, where there are a lot, down to um, in your muscles. In your white blood cells, there are cannabinoid receptors. So, you know, when you think about this, it's like, huh, they're not there for no reason. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, everything sort of has a reason in the body. They're there because you know, receptors, usually things bind to those receptors and something happens that's supposed to happen in the body. So the body makes endocannabinoids. There are some foods that have minor amount of phytocannabinoids in them. Phyto is what is in the plant. So your body makes things endogenously. Those are endocannabinoids that bind to these receptors and they're sort of homeostatic. What, what people believe is that they, they help moderate sleep. They help moderate mood. They help moderate a lot of things that they, they are helpful to keep inflammation at bay, to be somewhat anti-inflammatory. And we can supplement those with pharmacology from phytocannabinoids, which is the plant. So that's what we're doing. We're giving higher doses that are available in the plant than what you make in your body to be able to have a bigger effect. And you know what? That's what happens with a lot of things. Again, we just, I just mentioned the enkephalin endorphin system. You know, that has to do with your own body making some of these things. Your own body makes hormones and binds to those receptors. Well, your own body makes cannabinoids, endocannabinoids that bind to these receptors. This is just like anything else. If you take a little bit of supplemental, it will have a bigger effect. So it's very analogous to so many things in the body that we're used to, and we're used to taking medicines for, and we're used to thinking about. It's just that this wasn't well described. And guess why? Why? Because we didn't do research on it. <laughs> wow. It was in, uh, gosh, it was, uh, uh, there were some Israelis, a very well-known guy by the name of Mishulam, who did the research, but he, you know, he, it, it was very, very hamstrung. He would, you know, it was very difficult to be able to get the licenses, to be able to get these products legally and do work on them in a laboratory. So, you know, people say, well, why don't we know more about cannabis than we do? How do we know it's safe? How do we know what it's doing? Well, a lot of what we have to do is take a leap of faith here and there where it seems like a good idea because we weren't, we're not able to do the research that you're able to do with opioids or with hormones or with anything else. We, have, we haven't been able to do clinical trials. 
So that's the problem. You know, it's sort of become a circular issue, right? It's really kind of sad. It's so crazy to me why anybody would want to stop clinical research when if it was clearly, oh, this doesn't work, then do the clinical research to find out it doesn't. But people are kind of, I guess, maybe worried about the power of it. Otherwise, you wouldn't stop something. Right. There's fear of something, right? Mm. There's fear of something. Who knows what? That's why I can't answer all your questions <laughs> and, and you know, your listeners' questions, because a lot of the things we just don't have the answers. But what we do have, Poppy, is tens of thousands of people telling us what it does for them. And, you know, this is an informed crowd. We can't take that for granted anymore. So that's not, you know, people say, oh, that's anecdotal data. Uh, well, Okay, if it were two or three people, you know, writing a, a, a review on a Yelp page, <laughs> right. it's anecdotal, okay? <laughs> when you have a lot of people who are spending their own money in increasing numbers to take and buy these products, when you, you know, there are registries that, that are abundant for uh, cannabis, there's some now for CBD predominant cannabis as well. You know, people are, are talking about their experience. I mean, that, that's meaningful. People could say, well, that's crowdsourced, you know, who knows what that is. And it's like, no, but that's real world. So I think that we're learning a lot from real world evidence and what people are telling us. People know their own bodies pretty well. Mm. So it's fascinating, this idea that we have kind of cannabinoid receptors in our bodies. So how does this explain why CBD could potentially be having this huge kind of impact in reducing stress, according to so many millions around the world. And also there are some clinical studies that have found that it is really helpful in the reduction of stress and anxiety. Okay. So, you know, when you think about inflammatory processes, that's where a lot of these sort of start and end, if you will. Right. So, you know, that being able to have receptors in all of those areas is very important. And, you know, CBD is believed to exert its effect through receptors in those areas. There are also receptors in the CNS, okay, that are, that are bound. And, you know, that, that's pretty easy to understand how that would help people relax. But again, it's really to promote a homeostatic type of feel. What, what I can tell you about information and data that's been collected is that CBD in animal studies. So let's just talk about animal studies first, mm. because you know, unfortunately, we haven't been able to do real human clinical studies, as I mentioned, but we do have, there is animal work. Um, and what it has shown is that CBD in, in a fairly high dose in mice, who knows what the comparable dose would be in people, but it does reduce anxiety. In animal um, osteoarthritis um, models, I think it was dogs, it showed that it can reduce pain, help with mobility with arthritic dogs. Um, you know, there are a lot of studies that show that these effects happen. Now, these effects don't happen overnight, okay? It's not like I'm going to take, you know, a pain pill or I'm going to take as, it may not happen as, as quickly as with Xanax or with any other benzodiazepine. Xanax is a benzodiazepine, you know, it's in the same family as Valium, right? So that might have a bigger pharmacologic effect. And CBD might not have that big mm. effect right away. It might, you know, it's, it sort of is something that is more graded. So it's, I think that that's the way to look at it. So, you know, you have to have a little patience. It also in studies has been shown to help reduce cravings, like in addictive behavior type of cravings that animals can exhibit and, and things. And wow. there've been, there've been some studies that show that, you know, people who have addictive behaviors, you know, that CBD can help moderate 
some of the forces that they have that are behind that. So, you know, that's very important. Now, when we look at people, okay, we don't have a lot of studies, as I mentioned. Um, we do have that one big study with the very, very high dose drug that's now a drug. So, you know, when people say, well, how do we know this works at all? Mm. It's a drug. <laughs> it, it helps kids not seize. Okay. You know? yeah. Okay. So we're just talking about taking it in lower doses in an over-the-counter way that's safe. And, you know, we don't need that big an effect. We don't need to slam our, our central nervous system, right? We just need little bits to help feel well. Again, you know, there are small studies that are observational, but people seem to think that this really helps them with um, mood, with anxiety. And there is absolutely uncontrovertible evidence that it helps with sleep. It absolutely helps with sleep. And, you know, I have to tell you, I think all doctors know that if people can get a good night's sleep, mm -hmm. they always feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about people who have chronic conditions, whether it's lower back pain, whether it's a rotator cuff, whatever it is, okay, any chronic condition, it really is worse at night and they wake up in the morning and you just don't feel refreshed. You feel terrible. The ability to get a good night's sleep might be one of the most important things that you can do for anybody. So if people are able to provide that for themselves, that's huge. I couldn't agree more. And I also really like your emphasis on how CBD helps you get back to homeostasis, because I think that sets expectations in a, in a moderate way. And I, and I want to kind of ask you about this um, in terms of where popular culture has almost been dangerous for CBD. And that I would say that I think my expectations of it were this, like, I was going to feel so different. And then when you don't, you're like, oh, does this thing work? But actually it was never supposed to do that in the beginning. Right. Like anything, if you're going to change something in your immune system, that's going to take days. Okay. That's, that's going to take days or if not longer. So I, I do think it's important that people realize that, you know, it, that it's, um, it's a process. Mm. It's healing. It's, you know, healing is a process. Things don't, you know, if you cut yourself, it doesn't heal overnight. This isn't surgical. This and this isn't like acute medical pharmacological, like getting a morphine shot. Okay, this isn't this isn't that right. This is something that is health and wellness, not big immediate cure. And yeah, so you know, people need to understand that. By the same token, that's why it's you know, I believe it's totally safe to have people regulate their own. Okay, this isn't something that I feel that a doctor needs to have control over, it's not dangerous. I truly believe there's nothing dangerous about predominant CBD products. I, I think there's very little danger in cannabis in general, taken the right way, right? But you know, it's safe and it's effective over time. Before we return to Dr. Rosemary, I've got some really exciting news. My podcast partners, Platinum CBD have decided to offer the chance for not perfect listeners to try their CBD for free. So all you need to do is pay for shipping. Super easy. So if you want to try Platinum CBD for free to help you sleep, manage stress or sore muscles, then all you have to do is visit coal-care.uk and the link will be in the show notes too. And choose between a 10 milliliter CBD oil in peppermint or unflavored or the CBD soft gel capsules. 
add it to your basket and at checkout add the code not perfect free get your free cbd while stocks last so what do you think the greatest barrier is in the growth of cbd and people using it effectively impatience (laughs) i think you hit the nail on the head people are impatient i also think that you know the medical community is um still wary you know, it's like, well, what, what good does it do? And again, you know, I keep saying, do you not realize that there is a drug approved to stop seizure electrical activity in children's brains? So, you know, when people say, well, what does it do? It's like, well, it does stuff. (laughs) Yeah, It obviously is active. Okay. So, you know, when we take it in small doses and it it has the effect that we want to use, I don't understand what I, you know, seriously, I don't understand what the large objections are. I, you know what I think? I think it's fear to some extent for whatever reason, you know, fear of the old ways, fear of new mm. things, fear of loss of control of the, you know, of, of people being able to have more control over their bodies. And it, I, I don't know, but there are all of these elements. How did you get on this path of really becoming such an expert in new drug research and especially CBD? Like where does the passion lie for you? Well, I'm trained as a hematologist oncologist. Um, so we tend to like to help people. <laughs> we tend to like to help also find new drugs. So I've always been involved in new drug development on the biopharmaceutical side. So that was sort of what I've what I've always been involved in. And when some people that I know asked if I would be interested to help them on the medical side, you know, I um, read about it, learned about it, and became more convinced that this was a good thing to do. As a young cancer doctor in Boston a long time ago you know, we, we were able to prescribe Marinol, which is a THC product for patients. And I have to tell you, they didn't like, they would prefer to have a balanced product. Okay. They didn't like the plain, the synthetic THC, but they would prefer to have illegal, this is people in Boston, illegal cannabis. Okay. But this was back in the, in the eighties, early nineties, because it worked better. And so that is when I first learned about the fact that, you know, it's not just THC. THC is in there, but that's not the most important part of the cannabis plant. And then I began to learn about the whole other end, okay, the whole other predominant cannabinoid, which is the CBD end, which is really where some of these anti-inflammatory and healing properties come from that aren't so psychoactive, right? Less psychoactive. They do have a psychoactive component because what we're talking about, anxiety, all of those things are very important mood stabilization, but they don't have the euphoria. So, you know, I sort of, as I learned more and I became, you know, fascinated by, this is really where a lot of the work end, if you will, of the medicinal cannabis is, is in the CBD part. And it's like, well, gee, if we don't have the euphoric stuff, this is available over the counter and this is fabulous. I would love to kind of actually move into the inflammation response and mental health. And then I guess that potentially leads into um, looking at the then manifestation of disease and cancer. How does that kind of all work together? Well, I'm not trying to say anything about causation here in Mm. a general sense, but I think it's very fair to say cancer is started because of a mistake. Somewhere a cell makes a mistake when they go to divide, it has a mutation. And that can be due to genetic things that set you up to that. That can be exposure to toxins, as we all know, right? But it's a mistake. And then that mistake has to be able to make other daughter cells that have that mistake. 
that's really the essence of how it starts. And that's why older people have it more often because, you know, it's just a numbers game. You know, how many times do you divide before you might start to have a mistake? And this is very simplistic. I mean, I don't want to have hate mail about it, but, you know, this is just very simplistic. I think it's really helpful to be honest. So like, I love simplistic understanding. So this is great. Thank you. Well, the whole thing about, about your immune system is your immune system's job. One of its jobs is to find those cells and say, "Uh oh, there's something different about this cell. We better kill it. That's called surveillance. So, and a very important thing of the immune system is surveillance and whether it's looking for some foreign bacteria or some virus or some cell that doesn't look like the other cells, that's the job of the immune system. So, you know, if you have a healthy immune system, um, you know, you're likely to um, recover faster and you're likely to have better immune surveillance. And, you know, I think it's just that simplistic, you know, a stronger now, you know, it's not 100%. Sometimes environmental factors and gene factors, genetic factors just are overwhelming. And, you know, the body can't handle that. But, you know, let's give ourselves every chance we can. (laughs) I want every chance I can to have good surveillance. And that is kind of our responsibility to be managing our stress response and doing everything we can to live our like healthiest life. Right. And not eat so much sugar and not eat. Right. It goes in with the whole thing, right. You know, all of these things are important. You know, if, if, if we can sort of realize that, you know, anything we can do to put better things in our body than what we're putting in them now. And, and again, the thing I love about this, the, about CBD is that, you know, it's, your, your own body makes these cannabinoids to work on this endocannabinoid system. This isn't like a foreign drug that is just coming into the body that, that doesn't have a known mechanism of action. It does. And so is this then why cancer patients often, as you said, you were prescribing this in the 80s, but is this why now cancer patients more and more luckily, thank God, professionals are saying, why not explore taking CBD alongside your treatment? You know, CBD, again, wasn't that available back then. Okay. You know, there were THC blends that were available. I think that people now understand that, you know, oncologists tend to want to alleviate human suffering. And so sometimes we actually overprescribe sedatives, barbiturates, sleeping pills, Sometimes we want to be helpful. And, you know, we, we, if patients we think would benefit from that, we are a little liberal with that. Mm. And I think that this is a way now that we realize, particularly in the United States after the opioid crisis, that, you know, more drugs aren't better <laughs> all the time. Yeah, more and more and more and more and more and more and more. You know, that we've kind of curtailed and rethought some of this. And maybe if we could not use so many of those strong prescription drugs. Mm but try some of these things instead to get the good night's sleep, to get the anxiety down. I have to tell you, a lot of those medications that physicians were relying on for those effects can be addictive. I mean, you know, barbiturates are addictive. Benzodiazepines absolutely are addictive. So, you know, nobody has shown that CBD blends are addictive. Mm. And, you know, I, I just really like that. I don't want to make um, the suffering and, and the tribulations that patients have worse later because now they can't get off their, you know, Ativan. You mentioned one of the great myths that CBD is not addictive. Are there any other big myths around CBD that you'd like to clear up? Well, the main one is that it doesn't do anything. 
<laughs> yeah. Again, again, you know, I can send you the New England Journal of, of Medicine papers that it definitely does something. <laughs> okay. So I, you know, I think that, I think the skepticism that it does things is there. And then on the other hand, you have the people that say that, oh, it's dangerous. Well, if it doesn't do anything, how can it be dangerous? <laughs> right. So the myths, I have to say, the myths are kind of like crazy, right? They're on both ends. Nobody, and I guess that's the point. Nobody can put their finger on it and say what their real issue is. They can say there isn't enough clinical research, okay? And we can point back and say, and that's because we were unable to do any research with these products until very recently. And clinical research takes a very long time. To be able to do something short of an RX drug takes a very long time. And again, until these laws came out, it said that something that had less than a certain amount of THC was not a schedule one drug, we weren't able to do anything with it. So, you know, that rule of what is CBD, the definition is, is recent. You just, you know, it's four years old. And I think this speaks to finding the right brand to explore your CBD experience with, because I think a lot of the chorus that is saying, oh, this doesn't do anything. I think perhaps that's because they are trying CBD brands in the market that do not have enough quantity of CBD in it to probably do anything, or there's there's kind of a lot of snake oil on the market because suddenly, I mean, what do you think about going into these cafes and suddenly it's like CBD with your latte, CBD with your cookie, CBD with the yogurt? You, do you know what I mean? Like you know, you're roast on the, on a Sunday. Like it just does feel like it's this kind of sprinkled extra. Um, I tell you, there. Oh gosh, there are a couple of publications that were fabulous. I think they were mostly out of the US where people bought different CBD brands on Amazon. Okay. And they had them analyzed. And I think, I mean, less than 30% had in them what they said they had in them, the, the right amount. Most had a lot less. There was some that had more and there were a lot that had things they shouldn't have. And one had additional ingredients and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's something that you use when you make meth. And it was very funny because the comment was, okay, well, when they were doing this, this was next to the meth lab, right? So I'm just saying the products out there are, you know, there's no quality, there's very little quality control. So you may be getting too much, too little, you know, it's very hard to tell because there was absolutely no truth in the label. Zero, zero. Well, 30% had, there was one third truth. And that's two different studies that have been done that have been published. And so because this industry is so new, there's just no oversight. I mean, you know, the people that look into your vitamins are not looking into this right now. You know, they, maybe they should. Now back to some of the consumer stuff, you know, I've seen bottles of water that, you know, will say has 10 milligrams of CBD in it. Okay. Well, usually you want to take, you know, 60 a day, probably if you're going to take it. So, you know, you need to understand what you're getting. The other thing is that when, when you have something that's that dilute, the bioavailability probably isn't that great. You know, you're probably not getting a lot of it anyhow. So that 10 milligrams, you may, your bloodstream may never even see that. So do you recommend people take the capsules over the tinctures or what's better for bioavailability? Well, it depends on, it's a personal thing. Okay. Um, we already talked about, you know, this isn't going to make you high. Yeah. So to take a capsule instead of the tincture, the tincture has higher immediate or availability because through the, through the mucosal membranes, right? So you're going to, you know, you, that, that will start to work faster. So it really is a personal preference. So you're the chief science officer of Columbia Care. Why did you choose that brand 
to advocate for when you could have chosen any brand? Because we, I know exactly what's in it. <laughs> I know exactly what's in it. And the same thing is in it every time. And, you know, we're very careful about what we put in it and how we make it. I mean, we view it, we don't view it like it's a consumer thing that we're going to make money on. And we look at it like it's a product that we're making available to people. You know, we think about it as people more than clients or consumers. And, you know, so, yeah, we're, you know, health conscious, health, health first. So, you know, all the excipients are very vetted and we know exactly what it is. And more importantly, you know, we make it in a way that it's the same thing every time. I love that. What a strong mission and something we can all learn from people first, not product first. We'd live in a very different world if every company followed that. So how wonderful. And I will put details in the show notes about Columbia Care, the company and all their products. So everyone who is interested uh, listening to this can explore that. Dr. Rosemary, this has just been really fascinating, really insightful and super educational to be honest I've learned so much about something I thought I knew about and really didn't so it was so nice to hear about the history and thank you so much for joining us absolutely thank you thank you for listening it would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating subscribing and sharing this podcast I also would love to hear from you so please find me at poppy jamie on instagram dm me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss download happy not perfect my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes it's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs sending lots of love and energy see you next time imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details